in the dream, I'm a time traveler, obviously. So I time travel back to the Houses of Parliament. I mean, the Houses of Parliament are still around, but I, yes. to those of the past. And so I, I'm there. <laughs> the houses with- of Parliament of yore. <laughs> of yesteryear. Um, and Winston Churchill's there, and he's like, hey, girl, can I borrow 20 pounds? And I was like, you sure remember that Winston Churchill quote? <laughs> sure thing. Which is a lot of fucking money in 1945. I mean, where are the Houses of Parliament? Yeah, I, I mean, that was drinking like four bottles of Paul Roger a day. Like, you know. <laughs> Um, so I was like, sure thing. So I hand him the 20, 20 pound note and then he looks at it and he sees that the year that it's printed is after the year that we are in, in the past and we make eye contact. Yeah. And, um, and I was like, shit. And he's like, and I see in his eyes that he knows I'm a time traveler and I'm like, fuck, I have to fuck him. So he doesn't tell anyone. (laughs) (laughs) So I fucked Winston Churchill. So the the question that's on all of our minds. Was he good? (laughs) (laughs) How far did it get in the dream? Well, the the farthest it went is that we were making out and I felt like stubble and wrinkly kind of flesh on my face. (laughs) You tasted cigars. You felt felt the weight of empire all over you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, His teeth were wobbly. (laughs) So when you first told that story, when you said so he wouldn't talk, I just literally thought it was because he was so... uh, Obnoxious and going on about that, you were just like, I need to shut this guy. Like, <laughs> he just sit on his he face. just keeps trying to do like witty aphorisms. You're like, oh, okay, only one thing's going to stop these, <laughs> these quotes about. Oh, if I were your husband, I'd put. Okay, fine. Time to time to put that uh, t- money maker interaction. Now in my now in my head, it's just we all fuck them in the pussy, <laughs> and we'll fuck them in the ass and in the mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would not let Winston Churchill fuck me in the ass. Come on. That's I my have line. Some dignity. That is my line. Atley, maybe. Call me. Or talk. Atley yeah, only then, in then, the then, ass. Then he, then, he just looks, then he just looks at you in the eye and goes like, oh, so time travellers don't fuck people in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay, I guess people from the future, okay. <laughs> and it does like other members of parliament running up to you going like, uh, actually, I think I need to be kept quiet as well. <laughs> She's a German spy, right? That's what we're being quiet about. No, no, no. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Trash Future. I can't recall if this is a free one or a bonus one, but we'll figure it out one way or the other. Uh, I think it's the free one. I think it is a free one, yeah. So I'm Nate. Riley is not here. He's skiing. It's the one thing that's more important to him than Trash Future. Um, I'm joined in studio by an enormous mixer that was way bigger than I thought it was going to be. I also have, to my right... It's a thick boy. Alex Keeley. Hi. Not a thick boy, crucially. Crucially <laughs> not thick at all. I'm a tiny boy. Olga Koch. My name's right? Olga. I fucked your brother, and I don't regret it. And of course, <laughs> your brother Winston Churchill. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, um, and of course, uh, Milo. It's 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 me, your boy. Um, uh, a week a week's gone by, and uh, you know what? I'm in better shape. Well, that's all good. I mean, people were they were they were they were counting on you, Milo, because they they need more of your relationship drama to make their lives exciting. So absolutely, yeah. I need to I need to torpedo my life more in other different ways to make the podcast better. That's yeah. what I'm searching for. I mean, that's what we're all trying to do. This yeah. The- what if you gain a shit ton of weight just for fun? I'm not doing that. I have to oh. be ripped, Olga. <laughs> that's like my whole brand is being ripped and jacked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're funny for a ripped guy. My, Milo's like yeah. cheaty in the good place where he's got distressingly ripped abs, and actually, you'd much rather it that he looked like the nerdy professor <laughs> than he like pretends to be. I am like a Ben Garrison 
depressing cartoon of myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just envisioning that wherever you are, no matter if you're sleeping in your car or somebody else's couch, you always keep with you a picture of ripped Garfield. And you're like, this is my dream. <laughs> this is who I'm going to be. I just, I just eat lasagna and go to the gym. <laughs> All the ladies say, I'm pretty wry for a ripped guy. <laughs> Uh, mm. oh, sorry, I, uh, I'm just going to cancel good. myself now. Uh, <laughs> speaking of cancellations, we uh, we have a doozy this week. I'm, I'm using, I'm incribbing Riley's phrases to sound like yeah. him. So if people just like, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, boy. who boy is it a doozy? So you're doing his voices. Who's doing what for Riley? I'm oh. jacking off under the table. Okay, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. What are you? What are you taking on? Uh, skiing opinions. <laughs> mm. yeah. Look forward to some of those. Yeah. Yeah, Snow, I, it's useful. Gloucester's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Val d'Azer in this week's edition of Alex Keeley's Ski Opinions. <laughs> They're both places. So basically on Trash Future for the longest time, we've had this, this running joke that at the core of conservatism is a desire to say the N-word. Uh, yeah. Now, it's a joke. We make it as a joke. But this week, uh, true to form in The Spectator, Lionel Shriver, famously normal person, uh, who we have up on the board right now and on the TV, uh, sitting with her husband and her cup that she likes to bandy about that says Ulster Freedom yeah. Fighters on it. A woman with a man's name, but I'm sure she doesn't like trans people. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, she published an article in The Spectator this week. The original title was The Prissy Pantomime of the N-Word. Then they realized <laughs> that sounded a little bit bad, so they changed it to The Prissy Purity of the N-Word. But they also got some complaints for that. So now they've just changed it. They've gone, they've gone and made it as concrete as possible, and they call it Why I Hate the N-Word. <laughs> God did the fucking N word. Like okay, but 98. I love that that's the brand of complaint they got, not just like scrap the article. <laughs> <laughs> it's the damn headline. You can't scrap the article. It needs to be written. The people oh, man, I already hate the font in this version of Mein Kampf. Like, <laughs> 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 version of Mein Kampf written in comic sans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the darkest possible energy. The, the funny thing about it is too, though, is it is it. Uh, I managed to get it sort of incidentally because of a browser error, but it's online. Like it's like spectator digital subscriber only content. So really, when you get down to it, the headline might be one of the, the only parts of the article that most people have read because who the mm. fuck's going to pay for the spectator? So yeah. I can't imagine that you'd be like, damn, I really need to know what Lionel Shriver. sovereigns. <laughs> I mean, also genuinely for the spectator, you realize they currently, uh, I've got a, uh, they, they have that like subscription offer at the moment, which is like 12 issues for 12 pounds and a 20 pound John Lewis voucher. So they want, Ooh. they want to pay you eight pounds. Oh, wow. To read their, their magazine for... Holy does, shit. It's not like backing yourself to be like, have three months of my magazine and I'll give you eight pounds. Because actually John Lewis is also struggling, but is to be fair less right-wing than The Spectator. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Fun fact about naming The Spectator. Spectator was named after the old ancient English art of dogging. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you oh, sit behind so. the wheel of your Morris Minor watching. <laughs> watching two men go at it in a, in a gorse thicket. <laughs> And then think, somehow the liberals are to blame for this. <laughs> and then you go, is one of them Winston Churchill? <laughs> the other one's a time traveler. <laughs> She's wearing a turtleneck. The turtleneck hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> <laughs> only, only turtles can wear turtlenecks <laughs> in this period. Um, so uh, I'm going to read an excerpt of this great Lionel Shriver article that I managed Wait, to did read. did you pay for it? No. I, I, th so the, something was wrong with the internet. I hit refresh. I got like the horrible plain text version of it with like the logo massively blown up. But right. for some reason, I got the full article. Oh, wow. and I was like, hell yeah, I've hacked the Gibson. But also, I, oh, I'm, yeah. hell yeah, I'm not paying for the fucking spectator. <laughs> Extremely Matrix voice. I'm in. I'm in. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, wow, there's just lots of racism everywhere. <laughs> I was expecting goo. I would have been down with that. But instead, it's just racism. <laughs> anyway, so this is, this is how it begins. And uh, and. and Bear with me on this one because, wow, the metaphors are insane. It's wonderful. You're going to love this. It starts. So, Augsburg University, Minneapolis, Minnesota. A student reads aloud a quote from James Baldwin's The Fire Next Time. 
you can only be destroyed by believing that you really are what the white world calls the N-word. I'm not going to say it out loud I'm not a moron. The last word causes a stir. When the white professor, Philip Adamo, asks the class what they think of the students reciting of the quote verbatim, he repeats the word. The next day, the students kick Adamo out of his own classroom. Since as ever, the animals are running the zoo, he complies. The students powwow. You know the drill. Students complain to the administration about the hurt, harm, and threat to their safety. These are all in scare quotes. Caused by having been subjected to a bad word. Cut to the chase. Adamo is removed from the course. He's now been suspended for a second term. Typically, all this wailing over trauma and injury is fake. The university campus is now a predatory environment and professors are the prey. By allowing those two incendiary syllables out of his mouth, Adamo dangled a gotcha moment too enticing to pass up, as if having stopped to tie his shoelaces on a velt teeming with hyenas. The pattern of these stories is unmistakable. They are not about justice or the policing of prejudice. They are always about the exercise of power. All right, I'm going to pause here for a second. I love those animal metaphors. Holy <laughs> shit. A belt teeming with hyenas? Velt, like the South African word or whatever. Oh, okay. V-E-L-D-T. I love that we're, we're already in South bore. Africa. We're really like, <laughs> oh, how, wow. can I, how can I make this as unracist as possible? I don't know. Let's go for South Africa, a country with no history of racial problems. Also, just like, I think if you're on a velt full of hyena, I don't think it's like, oh, what undid me was my shoelaces became untied. It's like, no, it's, it's very much the fact that you were in a, a velt full of hyena. Like, I don't think it was like, now really we wait for him to... Such a relatable experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, suppose it, I was going to say, I mean, considering this is meant for spectator readers, maybe like hunting on the, the wilds of South Africa is a thing they're used to. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That happened to yeah. me last month. A velt sounds like a kind of like a kind of gentleman's sash that like a kind of Scandinavian aristocrat would wear to a white tie dinner. That's sort of what I imagine it. I mean, that's as relatable as <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to be fair. So, so she continues on, and I cut out a little bit because I really didn't want to get into this. Just, it, it, was, it was unbearable. But the, the, these next two paragraphs are amazing. As for the supreme no-no, the crackers can't even get close. <laughs> yeah. In 1999, a mayoral aide in D.C. was shamed into resigning after describing a budget item as niggardly because some ignoramus didn't know what the word meant. Right-on whites are thus anxious about visiting Niger, ordering a Negroni, niggling over a bill, or sniggering at a joke, assuming anyone in the surround of the vauntingly virtuous ever makes one. If white folks recommend the 2002 book N-Word, The Strange Career of a Troublesome Word, presumably they're obl- obliged to abridge the title. Amazon's algorithm won't recognize the embarrassing, uh, the embarrassed abbreviation, and the distinguished author, Black Harvard professor Randall Kennedy, misses out on sales. Outside this very column, which only spells out the troublesome words, scare quotes, in quotations of Black American notables, let's not tempt fate. I have little need to invoke this supernaturally potent term so the taboo doesn't cramp my style. And obviously, I shouldn't have to add this. All racial slurs, when used as abuse, are poisonous. But we can all distinguish invective, shouting directly at an Irishman, you dumb mick, from I reference... I mean, stop adding me on the way here. I was, I was having a very difficult morning. <laughs> <laughs> from reference or reportage, that quote, that unperson, un- unpleasant person just called an Irish gentleman a dumb mick, unquote, even though both include the slur. Philip Adamo's crucifixion by his students for discussing James Baldwin was an act of disingenuous mercenary opportunism. In other words, the usual. Okay, so I just have to address this. She's suggesting that white people aren't allowed to type the N-word into Amazon. <laughs> like, as though, as though, like, black people, sure, they can type the N-word into Amazon, but white people, as though, like, Amazon's going to be like, you're cancelled. Like, I don't, like, I feel like if you wanted to buy a book where that is the title, you're allowed to type it yeah. into Amazon. I yeah. don't think anyone's ever saying like, excuse me, have you typed the N word? Well, I mean, you don't want to show up in those Google rankings because, you know, like the way they judge states on how racist they are apparently in America is how often people Google the N word. And, so, and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> Frank Sinatra too. 
Who would have Googled the N-word, Warrior? <laughs> I was going to say, if he had a search engine, that's all his browser history would be. It's just the N-word. He even got Firefox installed to, to look that one up. <laughs> yeah, so w- one of the things, I'm going to pause on this for a second, is that, okay, obviously she's insane. And she's been insane forever, and we know that. But I think that if this was an article that was trying to make the argument um, from a sort of purity of language standpoint, it would be one thing. It would be a dumb argument to make. It'd be a, like, just an ill-advised argument to make, in my opinion. But in this case, because it's Lionel Shriver, it, it, you just can't help think like, oh, wow, she's really like, she's ruined multiple Saturdays in her life. She's like, why can't I say the N-word? Like, and this- She's ruined the band, The Saturdays, by <laughs> talking to them about how, why they can't say the N-word. And so as such, it's just like, I'm watching this and thinking to myself like, you know, Hussein makes this joke about this being like the essence of conservatism, but he's not wrong. Uh, anyway, for the first time, I'm like, reactions? <laughs> <laughs> Normally in here, it's just like, what if this was dick? And like, I can't get a word in edgewise. I, I, I've not, you know, I've not had a problem ordering a Negroni. Like, I don't, like, I don't, like, I, like, it doesn't even sound similar. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, so conti- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue on here. Uh, but also it's like, as a white lady, you could do pretty much anything. Yeah. Apart from say that one word. And she's like, yeah. No, I want it. I just want to say the word. <laughs> well, see, and I guess the thing about the, the thing about it is with with Lionel Shriver is that like she's a white woman from the South. She's lived in the United Kingdom since the eighties. Crucially, she moved to Belfast in nineteen eighty seven because she really loves unionism. Like <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and normal. also, freedom fighters killed a lot of people, right? Yeah, they were a fucking terrorist organization. Yeah. So it's like, like having a Hezbollah mark, right? Like I made a joke on Twitter not that long ago, uh, where I was just basically like, I'm. I, I'm shocked at the double standard where Lionel Shriver gets a pass for her UFF mug, but my I fucking love Al-Qaeda mug gets me kicked out of the room. <laughs> like, it's basically, I mean, I'm not going to say the exact same thing, but yeah, the UFF killed a lot of people. There was only room for one Lionel in America, and that was Lionel Richie. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Well, see, but the, the only Lionel who's allowed to say the N-word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you say, other this, Lionels are allowed. <laughs> this is the UFF, by the way. Here's a big picture of dudes in balaclavas with AK-47s. I mean, that is literally... The trash future <laughs> publicity yeah. show. That's, that's us when we go on tour. It's in like, that really looks like the opening to like a badly scripted narrative porn. <laughs> oh no, yeah, you're my step freedom fighters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the point that I'd make looking at this is that like the Vice Family Picnic 2011. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically, so basically, I'm I'm going to continue on. So the the reason why when Hussein pointed this out, and I was like, oh god, it's got to be Lionel Shriver writing this. Um, was that so last year she published an article basically saying that uh, basically saying that the housing crisis in the United Kingdom was solely because too many brown people are having babies and you can't say the n word exactly and, and, and if white people could say the n word they wouldn't be so sexually frustrated and then they would reproduce more but they can't and so there's a <laughs> oh, shortage it's good to sorry <laughs> Good to find out what like the verbal oysters are for like what <laughs> like, they have rhodesiac. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Mm. So I, I because because look, I take your point, Olga. That it's dumb. It, it's not like I can go my entire life and not say the n word and don't care. Like mm-hmm. it's not like. A, but it, clearly, she's a, she's. I mean, it would be nice once in a while. But you know, <laughs> if if we can't say it, then fine. Well, I. Uh, you know, you laughed at that so nervously. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the words that I haven't said, just like neutral words I've never said. Ooh. And like have lived normally. That's interesting. I mean, I want to say something f- funny and sexual. Like, stop say- eating my ass. I would never say that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I've said all those words individually. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I mean, 
I realize that she's a columnist and she's a columnist for an insane magazine. And so she has to come up with something to be mad about every week. And, you know, it has to be individualized enough that it's going to get those Tory hate clicks that she wants so desperately. 100%. Oh, that's such a good trademark. Tory hate click. Oh, no, it is for sure. Oh, I mean, I love it, that. It, and, and so it's one of those things where I, I, I understand this is just a facetious argument, but it's just such a dumb thing. It's a dumb hill to die on. And she's gonna yeah. die the fuck on that hill. I've now worked out what my what my like business is that's gonna make me a million is like I'm gonna just buy a warehouse and fill it with soundproof booths where people can come and shout the N word as much as they want. <laughs> oh god. Um, so yeah. so anyway, um, in March March seventeenth, two thousand eighteen, Lionel Shriver publishes an article in the Spectator, um, basically saying the housing price the crisis in Britain is because of migrants. And I'm going to, similarly like the last one, I'm going to read a couple paragraphs here because who boy is this also a doozy? And does the, I think this gives perspective on who this person is um, with regard to the academic argument they're having about free speech and free speech rights. Love it. All right. Ever since Theresa May's clarion address of the UK's housing shortage and how many successive PMs have embarked on the same brave heave-ho, countless comment pieces have addressed the real problem that drives the disjunction between supply and demand. God, I love her writing so much. It makes me fucking so, wet. Who uses the word heave-ho? I think I've said the word heave-ho as many times as I've said the N-word. Zero <laughs> times. <laughs> what does it mean? I've never heard it. It means like to, to take something and throw it, doesn't it? Well, it's like, it's not really like, it's not really like a verb or a noun. It's like, it's like a... It's like a sound. It's like a. It's like something you might say if you were exhorting someone to live something. Like, come on, heave ho! Like, but it's not really like. When a- I take like thirsty pics, <laughs> I'm a heave ho. <laughs> I don't know what he's you take sexy pics of you lifting stuff. Then say, you're like, if you're if you're if you're, if you're if you're very sexily encouraging a person to like pick up a rain barrel and throw it, then like perhaps you are. I, so I, I recall like as a kid reading the Beano, and it's like when people are like picking up something heavy together, they're like saying heave ho as if it was like a thing like you would heave say ho, when you throw ho. it. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it's like an exhortation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's, it's not really. You can't use it in that context. It's not an action. Well, I mean. Maybe it's because she really wants so desperately to be British that she's decided to use Britishisms, even if they don't make sense in context. Well, I mean, yeah. um, so I'm going to continue. She says, NIMBYism, complex protracted planning permission, developer land banking, rich Chinese and Russians investing in unoccupied properties as three-dimensional bank accounts, excessive protection of green belts, second homeowners, empty properties the state should confiscate, the catastrophic sell-off of social housing, a willful confusion about the word affordable in scare quotes means. Yet when two statistics are out of whack, it behooves us to look at them both. All the above dysfunctions regard supply, which suggests there's something awkward about looking instead at demand. At a Radio 3 free-thinking event last weekend... People say they're starving because there's not enough food, but that's that's a supply-side issue. Let's look at the demand. What if we just cold people? (laughs) At a Radio 3 free-thinking event last weekend, I all but came to blows with my panel's rational optimist who believes that the continued human population growth will be both modest and benign. The moment I mentioned the inevitable pressures on Europe of mass migration, the poor gentleman exploded as if I tripped the pin on one of those grenades cropping up on the dodgier streets of Sweden. Something what? about yes, yes. Wait, what? Could, could you repeat that sentence? I'm sorry. The dodgier streets of Sweden. She says the moment I mentioned the inevitable pressures on Europe of mass migration, comma the poor gentleman exploded, comma as if I tripped the pin on one of those grenades cropping up on the dodgier streets of Sweden. You don't trip Hashtag a pin. You don't pull the pin. fucking pin. You pull the pin and you throw it. We Thank should, you for the true peg. You say heave ho. <laughs> we say heave ho when we throw the grenade. We say oh yeah. shit when we step on a landmine, which is what she's describing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, There's no landmines in streets yeah, of Sweden. Yeah, that was, that was, that was, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know what parts of Sweden you're hanging out. <laughs> <right. laughs> 
<laughs> Landmine is the name of my Swedish girlfriend. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm continuing. Something about how we screwed up in Libya and the needs of the NHS. Give the guy this. He did rouse righteous applause from the great and good progressives who event- attend events on the sa- at the Sage Gateshead in Newscastle. Uh, okay, so what she's basically saying is, I said something fucking racist. People cheered the guy who called me out, and now I'm mad because I'm actually I'm right because I'm rational in facts and logic. Absolutely. All right. Can but she- if I'd have said the N-word, it would have gone differently. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, what is the big, what bigger grenade is there besides the N-word? I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's, it's certainly a thing you say heave-ho before you throw into <laughs> the room. Pull the pin on the N-word <laughs> and throw it in there. Oh, boy. Let's look at this housing business. It took half a century for the UK population to rise from 50.3 million in 1950 to 59.1 million in 2000. During that period, the foreign-born population rose from 4.3% to 8.8%. So a measure of that increase was already accounted for by newcomers. After an inflow historically unprecedented for this country, this brief century alone has seen the UK pop foreign pop the UK population shoot up to 65.6 million as of January 2017, 14% of whom were foreign born as of 2016. We're now adding another half million every year. According to the Office for National Statistics, the UK population is set to cross 70 million by 2029. Migration Watch places that watershed even sooner in 2026. That's only 8 years from now. While demographic predictions are notoriously undependable, near-term projections tend to be more reliable. We've heard about the, the- Lionel Shriver really cared that much about the amount of foreign-born immigrants. You could go fucking home. I was going to say, go back to fucking America. Exactly. Aye, aye, aye. I mean, I'm just saying this as somebody who's also from America. Like, Jesus Christ. But, I mean, you know, she- To be fair, to be fair, uh, a bunch of her political bedfellows are really going to help reduce the population of the United Kingdom quite sizably by creating a united island. That's one way that you can <laughs> reduce <laughs> Possibility. Very, uh, very quick was... way to get our population down. Okay, is th- this is Island. an occasion for one of my sex sound effects. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, I mean, Nate will agree with me here. Like, immig- immigrating into the UK or any country is incredibly difficult. Yeah, the it's only, not easy at all. The only two reasons you would is like if you're a refugee and you genuinely cannot live in the country where you are and you have to fucking prove it, or you're like contributing to the UK whether whether it's like you're studying here or it's a work visa like it is incredibly difficult to move well, here you're a time traveler and you want to come here to eat Winston Churchill's ass <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. They, they, they make yeah it, he can't fuck me in the ass but I can fuck him I, I mean taking yeah. Winston Churchill to, to the point where a, a friend of my wife's was involved with the campaign to basically put pressure on the Tories to reduce their projected uh, sum that was basically the threshold for how much you'd need to earn to sponsor a spouse. And it's already fucking high as shit compared to incomes in this country. I mean, like, it's 18,600 pounds a year. But, like, for people in the North or people in Wales or people in Northern Ireland, that's far more than the median income. They want it to be like yeah. 24,000 pounds a year. Insane. And so. It, also, isn't there like if you're married to a national, you can't move unless that national is earning a certain yes. amount of money? And here's the yeah. crazy, which is crazy, which is crazy. Because think about it: like if you could work, then you could earn more money and you could meet that target. But you, they won't let you. Like, and if you work, if you work illegally, that money doesn't mean anything. You can't count that. Like, so effectively, it, it, they've made it as, as they've made as many bureaucratic loopholes as possible to make so that they can justify not letting people in unless they're wealthy. I mean, like. Yeah, so so to get to uh, on that Rich point, people are the most uh, oppressed race. Let's be real. Well, no, the Come Irish are the most oppressed race, as <laughs> oh, Lionel yeah. Shriver will let you know. Then white people can't say the N word, and then the rich. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So she continues. We we've heard about Britain's recent mini baby boom in scare quotes, but its primary cause isn't native-born women hitting up the NHS for IVF in their forties or having triplets. It's not appreciably. <laughs> Native-born women just being like, hell yeah, gonna smash out some triplets at 45. Hit me up to fucking fertilize my shit, NHS. (laughs) Uh, It's not appreciably caused by immigrants from Eastern Europe either. 
As of 2011, mothers born in Poland averaged 2.1 children, while mothers born in Pakistan had 3.8, and mothers born in Somalia had 4.2. So even Brexit, assuming it actually happens and actually curtails freedom of movement, ha, on both counts, may not appreciably constrain foreign increase. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we knew this, but that, but she's like pro-Brexit. So like, what is her point? Her point is like, we need to stop the immigrants. Brexit won't do it, but I'm still obviously pro-Brexit because I'm also a reactionary. And what she basically says, I summarize this because it's annoying. She basically says that the statistics are bad, but the real reason why housing is in short supply is because everybody comes to London. Because I mean, to be fair, that's where all the fucking jobs are. Because the rest of the UK is shit. <laughs> There's no jobs. And it's not, you can make a lot more money in London. Um, but anyway, she continues. As of 2016, only 45% of the capital was white British. An astonishing 58.2% of births in London were to foreign-born mothers. In the northwest London borough of Brent, 76% of births were to non-UK-born women. While over a third of the babies born in England and Wales had at least one parent born outside the UK, in London, that figure was 66.6%. Two-thirds. Wow, you can do fractions. Thanks, Lionel. I also love presenting neutral statistics and just assuming people will think they're bad. Like, you were just saying things to me, and I'm like, yeah, okay. But to hers, that's like, that is just negative. Just the numbers themselves are negative by default, which is so funny. Yeah, I mean, it's like when Fox News runs a thing on Ocasio-Cortez, and they're like, Ocasio-Cortez <laughs> believes in free healthcare and education. <laughs> it's written in, like, the scary dripping font. Yeah. <laughs> and, it just, and it just looks exactly the same. Like, Go to the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> She continues, and she, she wants to parry you. She wants to own you with your own logic. She says, hey, I know all about the fact that immigrants to the UK take up space because I am a UK immigrant, both Americans. My husband and I occupy a three-bedroom Georgian house that has thus been removed from the stock available to folks who were born here. Next door to us lives a large family of Nigerians with numerous other compatriots eternally coming and going who may or may not be Yeah, they're going because you keep calling them the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> who may or may not be accounted for by officialdom. Oh! She went there. She went there, yes. They have they have relatives, and so they're all criminals. Yeah, many of whom may or may not have large sums of money to transfer to you if you can just pay some certain administrative <laughs> costs. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, Michael so Shriver's so, so, done a great business deal with the Nigerians. Do you have any kids? Uh, I don't think so. No, um, Aww, I'm not sure. She she did write the book. Uh, yeah, we've we talked talk about, about we've talked about Kevin, <laughs> in which yeah, uh, yeah, a yeah. woman basically describes pregnancy as being infested from within, and then her child goes on to do a school massacre over the crossbow. Yeah. Well, yeah, she, so how guy would you be if you were her child <laughs> at that point? She says, do I sound bigoted? People oh, baby, come <laughs> on. Sound the fucking horn. People can be bigoted, but facts can't be. The UK's housing crisis rests... So you're not a person, you're a fact? <laughs> the UK's housing crisis rests hand in glove with mass immigration. Without a doubt, nimbyism, arcane planning permission, rules... Russian oligarchs, all that, make the situation worse. But effectively, if Theresa May improbably abracadabra 1.5 million additional homes into this country by 2022 as pledged in the Tory manifesto, they'd be built for foreigners like me. Who fucking cares? People who come to this country to work who actually want to be here, like, actually do work. Like, I, I'm just... I don't know. I, I, I don't want to go off too much on my adopted country, but fuck's sake. Like... <laughs> Like, I mean, she's making a very valid contribution to the economy by writing articles like this. Exactly. Know? I mean, like, she, she, I can't even, it's weird, like, I can't even come up with a good, like, glib enough joke to describe how, like, how much contempt I feel for this, just because it's, like, white woman from the South moves to Britain to basically take advantage of all the things that life in Britain entails, and she's like, but there's too many brown people. And it's like... <laughs> I do love the overt racism. So, so, so the bit when she, so she goes, da -da -da, all the, the, the immigration, yes, there are other things, like, NIMBYism and this and like Russian oligarchs. I'm like, wait, so that's not 
that's not immigrant. Like that, there's like the overt, like, well, it's Russian. It's rich Russian, so that's not like that. that she's like, she's like explicitly what, what, saying. What she's racist trying, against me. What, yeah. she, what she's basically, <laughs> what she's basically, it seems to me like what she's trying to say is that you should disregard all of the economic decisions made since right to buy was instituted and the like the, the absolute drawdown of buying of building new social housing you should disregard all of like the market and economic forces and just say well there are non-white people who weren't born in this country who live in housing so therefore the housing shortage is because of non-white people that must be the problem yeah i mean it and, makes and, sense to me and it's just like i mean for one thing I think that that take that she has on her neighbors gives you ju- exactly what you need to know as far as like her views on things. Uh, but I, it's just it, to me, it just seems strange because like money laundering is a huge thing here. Uh, housing, it, it's even less regulated here than it is in the United States with regards to like luxury housing being used as like an investment vehicle for money laundering. That, that's a known problem. And so the idea that like you're just going to look, you're going to disregard all that, you're going to disregard like. What just in, in Southern Council alone, the extent to which like they've demolished social housing to build what's promised to be better social housing and turns out to be luxury condos with like, you know, 5% uh, of the units being privately rented, but for like low income renters, which is a thing that, that you see in the United States as well. It's like none of that matters uh, because my neighbors are Nigerian. It's like, and they shouldn't be in her opinion. Yeah. I'm sorry. Why can't, I just did the why can't thing my neighbors like, just not be Nigerian? I've, I've asked them this on a number of occasions. Like, have you considered <laughs> not being Nigerian? Well, maybe Ugandan or something. I don't know, but just Nigerian. I like. I'd like it if Lionel Shriver was just like weirdly racist against Nigerians, but no one else. Like, she had no problem with any other kind of black people. Was just like, I have many great Ugandan friends, but Nigerians have just always rubbed me up the wrong way. Yeah, consolidate your racism into one manageable payment of one the smallest country possible. So just find a really. Okay, I, I, I sense I sense a weird tension in the room as we describe this, and I feel like rather than us creating racist scenarios and imputing them to Lionel Shriver, what we can do is just continue to read what Lionel Shriver has actually said. Mm. Uh, because who oh boy, is there more? Is there ever more? Uh, so back in 2016, um, before that article, uh, Lionel Shriver gave the keynote speech at the Brisbane Writers Festival in oh, Brisbane, great. Australia. <laughs> In the birthnight, birthright nation for racism, Australia, yeah. uh, in Brisbane, the biggest city in Queensland, famously a normal place, yeah. uh, Lionel Shriver gave a speech. And I'm not, I'm not going to subject you to the entirety of it by, by any means, but I am going to give you a, a cut because what she basically said is the gist of her speech, and I'm trying to be as fair as possible here, is that uh, identity politics in writing damages, limits writing, limits fiction writing. Because it says that the only people who can write about certain experiences are people who have those experiences, and thus uh, it makes it so that a person feels as though they have to apologize for like wanting to represent the world. But as you can see from what she writes, it, what she writes is insane, and like I wouldn't trust her. I wouldn't trust her with. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I wouldn't trust her with the subjectivity of a, of a British person, much less a not white person. Um, <laughs> well, that book was originally called "We Need to Talk About My Son," who is called the N word. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, like yeah. somewhere She's in Bel- somewhere in Belfast is the original draft, and it's just there's at least one N word on every page. It's just the way that it works. She's like, I have a quota to meet. All right. They yeah. wouldn't have given me this exceptional talent visa if I wasn't good at this. It is Northern Ireland, after all. You know so, when people do that thing where they do three months worth of tweets and then they go, hey, go back and look at my tweets and read the first word of each tweet. Do you think she's done that for some of her books? That if you go back and read <laughs> the first line of each book, then it, it's just the end word. Is that something? Yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. so what I, I'm going to read this because I feel like this is important um, outside of just like the, the summary of her speech. She, she writes, 
in her, her novel, The Mandibles, uh, which is a dystopian American hell story. Of, and I'll get into the, 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 the plot. It's amazing. Uh, basically, she's, she's a Martin Amos, the woman version. Um, I mean, and everything that entails. Um, in The Mandibles, I have one secondary character, Luella, who's black. She's married to a more central character, Douglas, the Mandible family's 97-year-old patriarch. I, re- I reasoned that Douglas, a liberal New Yorker, could credibly have left his wife for a beautiful, stately African-American because arm candy of color would reflect well on him in his circle and keep his progressive kids' objections to a minimum. Already, what the fuck? But in the end, the joke is on Douglas. Because Luella suffers from early-onset dementia while his ex-wife, staunchly of sound mind, ends up running a charity for dementia research. As the novel reaches its climax and the family is reduced to the street, they're obliged to put the adult, disoriented Luella on a leash, keeping her from wandering Whoa! off. Yes. Wait, hang on. So the plot of her book is that he marries a black woman and it ruins his family. <laughs> and that now she's on a leash. Ah! That's fucking horrendous. I didn't have to dig. I came in here at 11.50 to start digging on this to write. I had like 30 minutes to do the show notes for this. And this is what I found already. Um, this is, wow, this is eye-opening. Upsetting. She writes, I confess that this climate of scrutiny has got under my skin. I love that also, hang on, it's easy to forget when someone's written a book that like they had to make that up. Like she was <laughs> free to write anything apart from that and she still chose to write that. She Trash Future does not endorse this as a dementia treatment. Yeah. No. <laughs> Putting people on a leash. That's fucked up. Oh, I mean like it, it, uh, this, this, come, this has comes... Has anyone ever done that? Has anyone ever put someone with dementia on a leash? It just, it, it, if I remember, so this, this reflects back, I, I remember thinking, what was the guy, was Richard Littlejohn and Will Self had that argument on the BBC like 18 years ago, oh, and it was, it was really funny, but the point that he made was the guy, uh, I want to say Will Self had read Richard Littlejohn's novel, and he was like, Richard Littlejohn was trying to defend it by saying, well, actually, like, the characters in my story are liberals, and he's like, and, and Will Self says, yes, they're liberals, but like they're so they're so angrily and snarkily parody that like it just defies belief. Like literally you have a character, they're Trotskyite interests who want to become police, and one of them gets so horny that he jacks off with a truncheon. And it's like, how the fuck is that even possible? It's like a person says, Well, see, I'm not racist. I wrote a black character who like ruins a guy's life and gets led around on a leash. Um yeah. so she continues Representation matters, everyone. <laughs> matters a fucking hell of a lot. Behold, the reviewer in the Washington Post which groundlessly accused this book of being racist, in square, scare quotes, because it doesn't tow a, a strict Democratic Party line in its political outlook. Right. It, doesn't stro- it doesn't tow the strict line of not having black people being the reason a family is destroyed and then get led around on a leash. I mean, like, the, look, I, and that's so fucking... I mean, like, the Democratic Party famously championed, like, all of these, like, the crime bill and, like, all of these things that have done, been done to destroy the American welfare state, specifically to target black people. Like, the idea that Democratic Party line is... Like, if the Democratic Party line is, is stultifying because you can't write weird slave porn, then, like, go fuck yourself. Like, I mean, that's ascribing so much like enlightenment to a terrible craven political party. She's just mad that people said, wow, your racist book is racist. But anyway, continuing. Uh, Describe the scene thus. The mandibles are white. Luella, the single African-American in the family, arrives in Brooklyn incontinent and demented. She needs to be physically restrained. As their fortunes become ever more dire and the family assembles for a perilous trek through the streets of lawless New York, she's held at the end of the leash. If the mandibles is ever made into a film, my suggestion is that this image not be employed for the movie poster. Later on, she adds, she says when she's talking about the grand, her grand unified theory of fiction writing and identity, 
Membership of a larger group is not an identity. Being Asian is not an identity. Being gay is not an identity. Being deaf, blind, or wheelchair-bound is not an identity, nor is being economically deprived. I reviewed a novel recently that I had to regretfully give a thumbs down, though it was terribly well-intended. Its heart was in the right place. But in relating the Chinese immigrant experience in, in America, the author put forward characters that were mostly Chinese. That is, that's all the sort, that's sort of all they were, Chinese, which isn't enough. Look, we have to read... Look, I, I have a background in fiction writing. Every fucking book is about, like, what is it like to be a 20-something dude in Brooklyn? Like, just because a book is about being, being alive doesn't necessarily mean that it's fucking bad. But her thing is like, no, that's interesting if, if it's a white person writing it. But if a Chinese person is doing it, like, oh, well, this is just isn't interesting enough for me. Olga, you look really upset. I just, I'm just really sad. Yeah, she's... This is a huge bummer. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is it not? Please, please subscribe to the Patreon as well. <laughs> I, was trying to say. I think we can take some comfort in the fact that Lionel Shriver is a broadly irrelevant person. <laughs> I, I guess, just, I, I, like, if we, if we want to focus on a, uh, w- one thing I will say on a, on a, on a slightly lighter note is, like, how can she possibly be defending a novel where it's, like, <laughs> one of the characters, like, ignoring all the race components of it, like, where it's, like, <laughs> one of the characters got dementia, but, lol, the person he left for set up a dementia chat. I'm, like, that's just, like, the most, like, <laughs> the like, level of, like, dramatic irony there is, like, fucking, like, red light on the dashboard, like, shit writing, right? It's just, no. like, holy shit. Oh, the, the, the dance what, contest yeah. is exactly the money exactly. to save the community yeah. center. <laughs> oh, my God, the prize in the dance contest is exactly one ass-eating. Oh, perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> Wow, why is Winston Churchill judging it? (laughs) (laughs) Eat it like it's the The 4th of July. The prize money in the racism contest is exactly (laughs) the money I need to buy the house from the Nigerians next door. So something that I did a little bit of digging and I, I, if I'd had more time and I was more organized and better prepared, I might actually have read some of her book because sometimes you can find true gems when, I mean, you read these things in summary, like in reviews and you think, Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Just I, 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 really, really quickly. Maybe this is this is a dumb thing, but I just want to say it before we, we move on a, a bit. But like the idea that you're writing, you're reading a book as um, as an American person about the Chinese experience. And you just think that that's like a book about being Chinese. But wouldn't a Chinese person reading any book about America be like, why are they talking about being American? Like every every like every big American novel is about like the American dream or like building a new identity in a country that's so young, like all these things like an American tragedy or like, I don't know, white noise. All of them is are about being yeah, American. Exactly. I mean, like uh, Great Gatsby, which is about crazy bitches. But it's literally <laughs> about being American. So like a, a Chinese person reading that would be like, they keep just being American as fuck <laughs> on every page. <laughs> a bunch of Americans. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think that that it's this is the kind of person who says like, Lionel Shriver, I mean, like, and, and and taking it out of, like, the context of the insane shit that she said that we've seen just in what I've read out loud is the kind of person who'd be like, oh, no, I read books about truth and beauty like Madame Bovary, but that book is too Chinese. And it's like, I mean, don't get me wrong, Flaubert was a great writer, but that book is basically about nothing. Like, it's, it's a lot of just some it shit. It says next to nothing about being Chinese, that's exactly. for sure. <laughs> and so uh, it's, 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 it's one of those things where you realize it's being graded on a curve. Or rather, you should say it's being graded. Everything that's not, everything that's not immediately identifiable to her personal experience is being graded harsher than everything that is. Which is to suggest, like it's almost as though she has a prejudice towards some <laughs> things and not towards others. That's a big accusation. I wonder which like, it, difficulties. <laughs> which like what you like what you say about like uh, when people like Jean like. That like to that that all, all almost like all fiction is like fiction, but then she's like asserting 
that this is like somehow like, oh, this is like a genre piece because it happens to be about Chinese America. So in the same way that you'd be like, oh, I love, oh, like, oh, a great woman comedian as if that's like oh, a, yeah, 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 that's yeah. Like a that genre rather than comedians. just like, yeah. Or the idea that, I mean, it, you, I don't think anybody at their core is really angry when someone who isn't of a certain group is writing about a group, but it is obviously incredibly frustrating when someone who isn't of that group is getting books published and someone who is of that group can't get books published. Oh, and so like for, for me, for example, um, I, I find it somewhat frustrating when it's very challenging for, for example, veterans who write fiction to get books published, uh, although it has changed a lot. But for a while, it was very, very challenging. But then like if Joyce Carol Oates wanted to write a book that was completely fucking just moronically not based on anything, you'd be like, wow, what a searing indictment of the Iraq war. It's just like, Yes, because she sat in her fucking townhouse and made up some shit. And you guys just read it and were like, oh, this is what it must be like. The real Iraq war was because Saddam Hussein wouldn't let the Q80s say the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> so long story short, I mean, that's that's obviously like a super subset kind of argument. But it's just one of those things where if you go on to like what this book is about, on top of this, on top of what we've just described, in summary... Uh, her book is about a dystopian America that's run out of water, where everybody's poor because of hyperinflation, because the damn deficit uh, just went crazy. Uh, the incompetent president is Hispanic, and paradise is found. Uh, led, they are led to paradise by a, a smart 13-year-old boy who likes Austrian economics, and they set up a libertarian paradise in Nevada, which is on the gold standard and has a flat tax. Ooh. She's basically pound shop Ayn Rand. Imagine setting up a paradise in Nevada. It's like a contradiction <laughs> in terms. I've been to Nevada. It's yeah, horrible. It sucks. Yeah. yeah. So that's the same book as. Sorry, that's the same book as the the dementia. Yes. How do you get from? Uh, the, yeah. Also, like we've run out of water. Where shall we go? Nevada. Nevada. <laughs> the whole state is one oh. big fucking desert. It's drier than Lionel's pussy. Whoa. <laughs> Uh, Richie or Shriver? <laughs> <laughs> Getting to the end of this and bringing it back to the, this article in the beginning, um, it's not surprising to me that if an article was going to come out defending the indefensible to like such an absurdly dumb degree, that it would be by someone who seems to like delight in just, I don't know, just like making these kind of bad faith representations of the world. Uh, I, can, I think we can agree that the dementia one is pretty bad faith. Uh, I think we can make the we we can agree that um, that what she said about migration in the UK and about her Nigerian neighbors is also in pretty bad faith. So when she decides that this is actually a free speech issue, and that uh, if you go back to the beginning, describing the students as hyenas and uh, you know the animals running the zoo and so on and so forth, like I think she's kind of prejudiced. And I feel as though like that appearing in the spectator more or less unchallenged kind of tells you about who's the, who the spectator is for, who's publishing it, who's reading it. Yeah, I think it's also really interesting to, 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 to when when they fabricate. The, this is something that really frustrates me when it, uh, I see a lot of women. I don't want to shit on women on a podcast where I'm the only woman. <laughs> but when people, when women are some, some, I'm thinking of one particular woman where they're like, what if I want to stay home and, 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 and make sandwiches? Why, why can't I just ho stay home and make sandwiches? It's like, no one is stopping you yeah. from making sandwiches. You're no. creating an oppression that isn't there. Like we're fighting something completely different. So it just feels like here. It's like, I mean, you wrote this article, didn't you? On, like, and they published you in a major newspaper. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and also something that I point out too is that like whenever these stories happen, I don't know what the details are behind this professor getting suspended and so on, but I am convinced 
that if you dig into it just below the slightly below below the surface, you're going to discover that it's not so cut and dry as the professor said the N word and thus, you know, quoting James Baldwin in his usage of it. And thus he was suspended because, you know, I mean, also... Did he need to have his dick out when he said the N-word? That's the question they're asking. <laughs> Did he have to be masturbating at the time? She literally has gotten away with so much racism systematically, whether talking on panels or writing books about it or writing articles about it. Like, why Why is she like, why can't I be racist? You are, and you're making money yeah, you're on it. You're doing very Stop well. Apparently, you can afford to own a home in Bermondsey. <laughs> Stop pretending no one's letting you be racist. You've made a career out of it. Yeah, and and I, I think that... Uh, that I don't even know where I'm going with this because I'm just so shocked by it because like it's one of those things where if Milo or Hussein or myself or Riley like if we comically overstate one of these positions to make a joke like it wouldn't sound as far-fetched as the shit that she actually said like the 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 yeah just like yeah I think in a weird way despite her literally despite her literally going despite the one about um the housing crisis or that objectively being racist, but just just that that whole plot line of the like, ah, he thought it would be like all the rationale that she imputes on the the white person for marrying a, a black woman, and then like that it's somehow being a narrative like, oh, uh, but then it was his undoing to yeah, marry, yeah, and like the like that just seems really like, once again, yeah, yeah, he was uh, he was marrying a black woman to own the libs, but it was once again he who was owned. Yeah. <laughs> Like, because marrying a black woman is a sin, which is always punished by cosmic justice. I was gonna say she's read Faulkner and that's taken like literally, all. That's literally what. It, that's yeah, yeah. That's yeah, literally. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, what she describes. That's not like that's not. Yeah. That was her own summary. That was her own summary of her own book. Was that yes. right? Yeah. I was not making that. That was taken from her words that she read in the speech. Like she. That was her own summary of her own book. Yeah. And what you don't know is in Australia that was followed by a standing ovation. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you fucked that one up, you can't. <laughs> do you know the do you know the Nish Kumar joke about Australian racism and cricket? That he's no. like like um like cricket and racism, Britain started it, but Australia have perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Nish Kumar, go follow him. Very funny. <laughs> go follow very, him very funny. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, Olga, you had an interesting point that I wanted to maybe see you talk about more was just the... Aww. No, you did. You, <laughs> you actually did. Um, I, w- Baby's w- first interesting point. <laughs> well, I'm trying. I'm, I- Wait, you, you plugging your Ladybird series? <laughs> <laughs> baby's first own. <laughs> is, is, uh, Help, my baby's been cancelled. <laughs> when you talked about uh, women comedians and the idea that like you, you describe the sort of creating this argument that somewhere somehow someone is oppressing you by saying but because you think someone doesn't want you to say the thing that you're saying it seems to me like that's also similar to this argument that she's making that that basically she's this truth teller and everyone else is afraid to say it yeah but we're looking at it we're like no none of that's even fucking real and i'm just wondering like <laughs> if you had any reactions as as somebody who's apparently part of the housing problem because of Russian oligarchs, you know? And, and Hi, oligarchs. Exactly. <laughs> just completely separately, just because of oh, uh, how she was saying, like, oh, it might be, like, yes, there are supply side problems with the housing crisis, but really it's a demand one. And I'm just like, I just really, I can't wait for uh, uh, Infinity War 2 to find out that actually it was Lionel uh, Shriver who was Thanos. So <laughs> but, but unlike Thanos... He's very fair about the 50-50 culling of the... But I'm yeah, saying yeah, she's, yeah. She's racist. We'd have to have a... Um, 
then then this podcast in that universe would have to be there would have to be only one person on this podcast who is in any way effectual and everyone else would have to be just being like and i helped <laughs> right right that so you tr- you trying to say who is trash futures thor is that the <laughs> yeah basically like is, that, that that film annoyed me so much i should be fair on the research level i would say it's nate is very much the yeah. today and we're all like, and i'm hawkeye <laughs> <laughs> i've like, got a joke about ass eating i'm, <laughs> I'm firing i'm little hawkeye's here i helped <laughs> i'm firing an m4 at the face of god which is definitely like helping so, yeah. yeah i want to I be jaunty jeremy renner damn it that's who i want to be in real life jaunty no. <laughs> because the heart locker was so accurate Exactly, it's my favorite movie. It really captured the experience. I loved it so much. Jeremy Renner just just running around listening to metal like a badass, almost getting himself killed, firing uh, bows and arrows at Rockies. Yeah, um, yeah. I I I, I actually like that point, Alex, about the supply side versus demand side because it's like, wow, Lionel, you've really really blown my fucking mind. It's like, well, sure, the housing is in crisis, but people also need to live somewhere. Owned libs. It's like read econ one hundred and one, supply and demand. Yeah. What's the real problem? But like, so like, right, so like, right wing economics is usually like focused on supply side shifts, right? Yeah. So literally, the only t- <laughs> the only time that a right winger can accept like the notion of like left wing like demand side is like genocide. <laughs> they're, they're, like, they're like, fine, I'll agree with demand She's side. Like- we just like. If if we can kill some people, if we can reject some people from this country, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It, 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 she basically is saying like we can build more houses or we can send them all back to Somalia, like. That's really what she said. I mean, she, she, she which she, crucially is the very heart of Serbia. <laughs> she targeted. I mean, she specifically targeted Somalis by saying that like they have the highest birth rate apparently in the United Kingdom, and so as a result, that's a problem to her. Let people fuck. Exactly. Just Absolutely. because you can't fuck, just because your husband can't get it off since the Good Friday Agreement, doesn't mean <laughs> that you shouldn't let other people fucking have babies. <laughs> no greater boner killer than the Good Friday Agreement. <laughs> Does that mean there'll be no more bombs? <laughs> How else am I gonna not? <laughs> I was, I was running around Belfast looking for any Fenian bastard. <laughs> I was like, could be the side no yeah. clarify. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the unionist. Uh, yeah. The no um, not unionist. Yes, please. No, no unionist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fucking spent. I'm, I'm spent like like Lionel Shriver at a racism festival. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Absolutely. So, uh, so maybe we just wrap it up and call this one a good one. Um, Olga, Alex, thank you so much for making time on a Saturday to come in for this. Yeah, Milo. I also. enjoyed. I enjoyed this new this new relaxed version of Trash Future with with uh, without Nate, a monologue Nate, in the Nate middle at the helm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Ter- very. It was very vibey. You know, it had. Um... <laughs> You're going you're you're to see that there's this massive uptick in Patreon subscriptions. Like, just make Riley go skiing all the time. <laughs> Riley went away to live on a farm. Riley right. was actually here the whole time, but he was taking selfies in the mirror. Yeah, we had him. We had him gagged. Uh, I love. I love every time when Riley posts a picture where it's just like where it's the the, the most thinly veiled. Like, I really need to get a haircut. Why are you topless? <laughs> actually, that's something he would you never heard. Post a topless pig. Let's be honest. That's something that you heard in the background throughout this entire recording is Riley just lifting upstairs. He's just doing power lifts. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing a solid eighty-five kilo bench press. We are absolutely rebranding as Yoked Future. This is just how it's going to be. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the closing as though this was a free episode. Although I really have no idea if we're gonna use this. It's, it's I free think it's or free. Yeah. So I'm just gonna say 
Um, I, I thank I thank you for being here on a Saturday. Thank you, Milo, also for being here, and thank you for uh, my pleasure. for 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 using your your personal life as fodder for the podcast. It's it's Always. a wise decision made by entertainers. Hundred percent. It definitely won't come back to bite me in any way, shape, oh, or form. I'm sure it will not. No. Uh, I'm sure this is an extremely well advised podcast about racism by white people. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. Thanks for listening to this. And I'm just gonna say, uh, yes, uh, calling it, it out doesn't all, make it better. You are mm. all. We're all implicated in this one, baby. This is just the way that it happens. Oh, almost like yeah. like institutional racism in the first place. But and hey. if you tell anyone I'm a time traveler, I will fuck you. <laughs> Don't care for Winston Churchill, okay? Well, no, wait, no. Wait, it has you to know, be, so now you, you tell, threaten. now it's the other way around. Now, now you're just trying to spread the message. Yeah. <laughs> As a reward. It's fucking Mardi Gras for telling Olga people Olga's a time traveler. Olga's trying to build a following. <laughs> I don't care who I have to fuck. So, I mean, do they just have to say it or they have to present you with evidence of your time travel before you fuck them? Or well, is I it- have to pay them first, clearly, as happened with Winston Church. I feel like this story is so... This is like when you're trying to explain a really like poorly judged hookup to your friend the next day. You're like, well, uh, uh, oh, they thought I was a time traveler. Where I thought it was that they didn't think it was... Oh, it doesn't- but also I'm laughing too because you, you said that Winston Churchill realized that the pound, the 20 pound note was not from of his future. time because of, from the future because of the date but like yeah. wouldn't he also look like what the fuck is a hologram <laughs> let's get down to it are you fact checking my dreams <laughs> that's what I do that's what I do if I'm not crushing your dreams I'm assigning them four Pinocchios yeah. so it's like three months salary on one piece of paper fuck yeah. madness um, yeah the idea of being like uh, Winston if you were my husband I'd give you a 20 pound note if you were my wife I'd use it as payment to eat your pussy now that's accurate (laughs) (laughs) those classic those classic Churchill quotes that we all know and love the the Churchill after dark the pussy eating tapes I was really surprised when my parents got that mug with that quote (laughs) he called my clit the enigma I'm really I'm really excited when Trash Future launches a publishing line in August there is a spectre haunting Europe (laughs) the spectre of pussy that's not Churchill. I'm just yeah, laughing. Is. There's going to be a, what? Pretty that, sure it that's is. the first line of Communist Marks. Manifesto. Oh, wait, you're yeah. right. It is. <laughs> you're, you're, you're talking about. Oh, wow. Fucking trash future, and I just owned you in communism. <laughs> I love now if Milo gets a silver bullet of what one thing to cut in the episode, he'd be like, keep some of the really spicy stuff about racism, but not the no bit shame. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, oh, uh, I just came. That was that was Karl Marx, sexy Karl Marx. That was Winston Churchill reading Karl Marx hornily. <laughs> I've never seen Olga look even so further back in time to Karl Marx. You know what sucks is that I, I had a joke lined up, but that was so much better. <laughs> yeah, my joke was that we were going to publish your, your novel is going to be called the Ti- the Time Traveler Strap On, but like. <laughs> Olga's like, would you like to distribute the means of my production? Then Carl's like, stop, I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) not. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. So is that where Olga puts a different engraved dildo into a post box and then it goes back to the feet? Wait, that's the plot. That's the plot of the lake house. Olga's fucking Keanu Reeves through a post box. Yeah, yeah. Where we're going, we don't need dicks. Keanu Reeves sticking his whole head into a mailbox to eat Olga's pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, why didn't we do the whole podcast just this? Well, because we had to be. I was trying to be Riley, damn it! I was trying to do like the politics thing that everyone seems to like for some reason. Riley told us to do it. Riley was like, "Read the article about from from the Swiss ski slopes." He sent us a WhatsApp message, like, "Hey, I'm jauntily just swishing about." By the way, do the fucking podcast on politics. So we did. I know madness. And now that it's done. 
Uh, if you like this podcast and you want more, here's my NPR voice. You can subscribe to our Patreon uh, for five dollars a month. You can get another one of these where we really get spicy on racism. Mm. Um, we also, uh, what else, Milo? You have a smoke comedy coming up. I yeah? do. Yeah, thirteenth of March. Uh, the headliner is going to be Tanya Edwards, who's very good, and um, there will be other people doing it also. I, I can't. My brain is cake today, honestly. Right. But it's gonna be good. You got one to plug too, Olga? Yes, I'm still on tour. I still have Bath, Glasgow, and Coventry coming up. Ooh, ooh. Um, and can you please come to my work in progress at Vault Festival March 6th and 7th? Go ahead, Alex. Uh, uh, I'm very good at teaching maths A level, so if you or your children, <laughs> if you or your children need, I can do quite advanced calculus uh, for them. So uh, reasonable discount rates to trash future subscribers. <laughs> that would be so good. Enter enter the code Keels10. And uh, we also have some, well, we haven't made any new merch anytime recently, but we still do have the two Trash Future mugs on sale. The link will be in the show notes for yeah. one cup. One of says, them is Alex Keeley. You bought one. You bought a Trash Future no, mug. No, he's a mug. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Owned again. Anyway, finally, to close it out, if there aren't any other plugs, which are fine. More plugs are good. We like plugs. Uh, if there aren't any more plugs, plugs, plugs. We have uh, uh, our song, our theme song is Here We Go by Ginseng. You can find it on Spotify and you should listen to it because he let us use it for our terrible podcast. Listen to it every day. Play it to Winston Churchill to fuck him up. Or let him fuck you. Yeah. Never. (laughs) Only Olga. (laughs) 